Hello and welcome. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And this is the Wikipedia Chronicles. This is episode 90 of a podcast where we start with a random article, explore it, then follow the links, and see where it takes us. John, what do you have? I have Chris pa- Palling? Pa- Palling, I think. Not, it's not like paling, so it must hmm. be a paling. Like you're paling like, around ah, yeah. with someone. Hmm. Uh, Chris Palling is an author of modern fiction. Okay. His writing has received many complimentary reviews from critics. That's the extent of the description <laughs> of him. Um, <laughs> hopefully he's known for his brevity. Um, but yeah, that's that's who I have. I mean, there's, there's a couple of titles of books in here we could go through. Um, no links to any, of course, because why would they ever direct us towards the work of an author we had bothered to look up on Wikipedia, but right. um, yeah, that's there, there's some stuff about his life and things like that. I mean, he's obviously still a living author, so there's always more to explore, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. <laughs> Could take it or leave it. What do you have? I have Fly Globes Plan. Wait, what? Fly Globes Plan. It is... Fly Globes Plan. <laughs> It is the words fly, globe, and span, but it all in one word. That, that is one <laughs> word? Are you... It's, it's supposed to be? It is the name of a British low-cost airline. <laughs> ah, that would explain the name. Fly globe span. Ah, it's hard to say because you have to say it all fly in one word. Glo- fly globe span. It's it's hard because of the double L there. It sounds like an antidepressant. Yeah. It doesn't sound yeah. like it doesn't sound good. Yeah, it sounds like something that's supposed to treat mucus or something. Or, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Or something that's supposed to put you to sleep. <laughs> the point is, it sounds like a prescription. It yeah, doesn't it, sound. It sounds like medicine. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um. Um. Neither of these get us away from the eventuality of Britain. Uh, Chris Paling is Paling, I should say. I concluded that it was Paling, so it's Paling. Um, (laughs) He is also British, and everything that is in that article that is a link takes us to Britain. So, to be honest, Wikipedia seems to have decided this for us, and it honestly does not matter. Well, it seems like we have a new... Uh, entry into our um, common articles that we get. Yep. In that they tr- are trying to steer us towards Britain and all the crazy wackiness that we find there which that we can't make any explanation for. No. And it's odd because you know, I feel like speaking their language most of the time would give us some insight <laughs> but, you know, if they're going... To do this to us, that's fine. You know what? Yep. Let's find another weird, in, uh, inedible, but also sort of edible, but also <laughs> you can toss it around between a whole bunch of mosh pitting school kids' pancake. Like, mm-hmm. go, let's go for it. Let's yeah. find another one of those. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Uh, but the, I mean, that doesn't conclude <laughs> where we're going. Yeah, I know I didn't true. offer any opinion, <laughs> but I told you it doesn't matter because the opinion would fall moot yeah. regardless. <laughs> Um, no matter what, we're in, in we're in Britain. We yeah. are, but the thing is, is that Chris Palling gives us a link to the University of Sussex. So if we wanted mm. to go straight, if we wanted to cut straight <laughs> to the schools that are old that have really weird rituals going on, mm. we have that option. It's right in front of us. Not to say that there isn't a university somewhere in Britain. Article, uh, this article about. Uh, this British airline because knowing them they, they, they just kind of have 
They just kind of have their schools in, in articles most of the time. Yeah, that's true. I don't see any links that jump out to me as schools, but... Never mind. This is the one article <laughs> that's an exception. There aren't any schools. The word school, the word university, hmm. academy. Um, yeah, there's no schools there. All right, I'm just going to mention one thing in my article. There's a link to something called PricewaterhouseCoopers. Oh, yeah. It's all one word, too. Yeah. But that's American. Oh. I think. But whatever that is was appointed as the administrator of something. Uh, as as the administrator of. Oh no, it is it is British. What is it with the British and the Germans? <laughs> just just slamming words together here. Yep. The Germans do the same thing. They're not they're not too far off. Must be. Must be a Germanic language thing. I don't. I don't understand. Maybe it invaded a little bit of uh, Britain here. Hmm. Well, I have. Yeah, so. I have to say that I don't think the direct link to the university should dictate where we go, <laughs> because as soon as we go to any other article other than the first one, there's still going to be another link eventually. True. Like, there's not going to be a challenge in finding <laughs> a weird school ritual if we want to. As yeah. long as we go for UK schools, they'll be there. <laughs> we'll just have to dig. Like, but not like dig. Like dig in the sense of like, like digging in a sandbox. Not mm. like actually with like a shovel. Like, no, you're, you'd be like children just kind of yeah. dusting something <laughs> away. Well, just also with this article, there is a lot of links outward from Britain. So, we have, like, other countries, uh, other airports, uh, we got No Frills. No Frills is an article? It is an article. Well, that already just sounds, and that sounds actually more British than most of the other things. Livery. That sounds very British. <laughs> yep. Yep, there's a lot of vague British words that have links to them. And while we could... I like. No, let's go fly globe span. Fly. Let's go fly globe span. <laughs> fly fly globe span. Fly, fly globe span. <laughs> we'll go to that. We'll go to that. Um, because uh, then we have options. That's better. It's better. Fly globe span. Fly globe span. <laughs> fly glob e span. <laughs> I mean, you gotta admit that is one clever title. Um, consider it's just a bunch uh, of we fly across the globe. That's span. the span of our flights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that really does cover it, it all. That's what we do here. Fly the span of the globe here. Fly globe span. Oh, there's a website. Okay, first we gotta check out the website. See what's going on over there. It is a the most basic website I've ever seen. Wow. This side of uh, uh, what was that? What was that? Also? Angel Fire. It is, <laughs> it is a GeoCities website, yeah. essentially. I mean, maybe a free web website. It, it's it, it's a little more HTML. Is, yeah, this is like somebody put a text document onto the web. They really are low cost. They do not lie. Um, although I will say that this website exists in a bare-bones fashion, perhaps for reasons which we may soon find out, as I see on the website, the bottom paragraph that presents itself to you immediately states uh, that J. Bruce Cartwright and Ian C. Oakley Smith have been appointed as joint liquidators of Globespan mm. Airways Limited. Uh, they are licensed to act in the United Kingdom as insolvency practitioner by the Institute of Chartered Accountants of, Scot of Scotland. Uh, so, um, I so, think they're gone, is what, okay. <laughs> is what that means. Would not surprise me. Their last update was July of this year, 2016. Oh, well, on the Wikipedia page, ceased operations December 2009. So... So the fact that they have a website still at all that is not 
<laughs> nobody paid for this domain yet. You can have it for from GoDaddy.com for five dollars a month. Um, that is that's impressive in its own right, I suppose. Yeah. There's a legacy there. A legacy. Of they wanted to uh, keep their customers informed throughout. <laughs> even if like somebody from 2003 was just like, you know, that trip I took 13 years ago. I think I want to use that same airline again, and then like let's go look for them. Yeah. All right. So they they were founded in 2002. They only lasted seven years. Those airlines, they're they're quick. <laughs> they're whiz bang little little guys. They were based in Edinburgh, Scotland, and it operated scheduled services from five airports across the UK and Ireland to destinations in Europe, North America, North Africa, and South Africa. Its main bases were Glasgow International Airport, Edinburgh, and Aberdeen. Airline's slogan was award-winning airline. <laughs> that was their... S- <laughs> the people who made this were just genius, cre- genius-level creatives. They were. Uh, it went into administration due to financial problems and the airline declared bankruptcy on uh, December 16, 2009. Because of the administration, Flyglobespan canceled all of its scheduled flights. That must have sucked for the people who had those flights. And on uh, December 14, 2010, the business was declared to be in liquidation. Now, that's a term I haven't heard used quite that way before. Something going into administration. Yeah, I wasn't. I'm not well, familiar aren't with most that. things always administered at some level. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, there's something to the word administration because well, it there's seems a like, heading of administration, so right. I'm sure we will find out. We'll figure out what's going on with it, but first we will find out the, about the geniuses who thought this was a good idea. Uh, Fly Globespan, a trading name for Globespan Always, or sorry, Globespan Airways Limited, was established in November 2002 as an offshoot of the Globespan Group. So they just put Fly in front of their name <laughs> and off we, off we go. But they made it one word for some reason. Because they could. It was expensive <laughs> to make a space between the two words. That's true. You gotta save on that sign space. <laughs> it's expensive they are square low footage. Cost. Exactly. Uh, operations started in 2003 uh, with two Boeing 737-300 aircraft provided by Channel Express on services from Glasgow Pestwick Airport to Edinburgh Airport in five destinations in Spain, France, and Italy. Globespan, an Edinburgh-based tour operator with over 30 years of experience, already offered scheduled and chartered flights, cruise travel, rail and coach travel, motorhome and car rental, and hotel accommodation tailored for holidaymakers visiting destinations in Canada, the USA, and Spain. The scheduled flights, mainly to Canada, were operated by Air Transat from airports throughout the UK, uh, with Globespan acting as the booking agent and selling the flights under its own brand. In summer 2002, a similar arrangement was tri- uh, trialed between Edinburgh and Nice uh, in the south of France. This was to prove successful for Globespan and led to the creation of its own no frills b- brand, Fly Globespan. <laughs> Services began in 2003 with aircraft and crews provided by Channel Express, though under the Flygobes... You would think by now, in this point, the article would come, like, easily. It gets harder, I think. Mm -hmm. Though under the Flygobespan brand with red and white livery, offering irregular flights to European holiday destinations. The offshoot proved successful and flight frequencies were increased. At this point, the operator relocated from Pestwick to the larger Glasgow International Airport, which is much closer to the population centers of central Scotland, within months of commencing operation. In 2004, so it could operate its own aircraft, the Globespan Group bought the defunct airline operator Cougar Leasing. Uh, along with its Civil Aviation Authority of the United Kingdom, or CAA, uh, operating uh, operating certificate. So they basically bought both the the airline, its assets, as well as its ability to operate as an airline. <laughs> so uh, that was only a year after they started. 
They were dreaming big. They seem to be dreaming too big for yeah. a budget airline, <laughs> but um, to each their own. Yep. Now, with its own operating license, expansion was swift for the new airline. New destinations were added to the network, including Prague, where the airline faced competition from Czech Airlines, and further points in Spain, including the Canary Islands. CSA withdrew its Glasgow to Prague service on the 1st of August 2005. By March 2005, the airline had grown to offer 15 destinations across Europe with a fleet of nine aircraft, of which three were leased from new, <laughs> and had tripled its passenger numbers to 1.5 million annually. That's not bad. That's, I mean, that's a pretty decent amount of traffic for having a grand total of nine planes. Yeah. Um, profits from the year ending October 2004 had risen from £2 million in its first year to £3.7 million in its second year, a turnover on a turnover of £98 million. BBC's Watchdog program featured the airline for a second time on the 28th of November 2007, where the airline was primarily featured for complaints due to a flight stopping 600 miles before its destination because the cabin crew were up to their safety limit in working hours. <laughs> the CAA suspension of the airline's ETOPS license was also featured. So, an airline known for its cutting corners and subsequent being reported for <laughs> cutting corners. Uh, for some reason, I was thinking Watchdog was like a like a scripted program, and they were just kind of featured on it. For some reason, but then I, I didn't even connote that it was a negative <laughs> thing. For some reason, I was like, oh, Watchdog. They're probably looking out for people to be able to go on vacations for cheap. Yeah. And no, they're, they're not. They're looking out for bad things, like a Watchdog would. You yeah. idiot. <laughs> so their domestic services were first launched in 2005. Uh with twice daily flights from Glasgow to Edinburgh to London Stansted. Routes for that were already operated by the much larger low fare carrier, EasyJet. See, that's a good one word. I feel airline. like part of their problem is nobody wanted to be like, I'm going to go fly Flyglobe Span. Well, uh, <laughs> 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 Nobody wants to have that kind of. Nobody yeah. wants a mouthful when they're trying no. to say what they want to do. I'll go with EasyJet instead of yeah. because anybody can easy. say EasyJet. EasyJet's easy. It just flies right off the tongue. EasyJet. Fly EasyJet. Yeah. You can even put fly in front of that yeah, one. It would actually jet. work. Yeah, it would still work. Uh, but it, yeah, EasyJet was much more uh, used. And these services by Flyglobespan were withdrawn in February 2006, together with plans to serve Bournemouth from Edinburgh. Okay. So why? Who cares? What's a Bournemouth? <laughs> Is it the mouth of of, of of Matt Damon? Yes, it's the next uh, Bourne identity movie. Bournemouth. Bournemouth. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> It's just, a, it's just a movie where you just watch Matt Damon's chin <laughs> the entire two hours. It's the most intense action movie oh, next yeah. summer, believe me. <laughs> um, but there were high fuel costs and intense competition in the no-frills market, but the airline continued to expand for some unknown reason. And flights from London Stansted commenced in October 2005, Though a new daily service began between Glasgow and Amsterdam, replacing the twice-daily EasyJet service between the two cities, was withdrawn in June 2006 due to low passenger numbers. They need to stop copying EasyJet stuff and yeah, figure out their that's... own, like, yeah, I don't know, services. But in November of 2005... Flyglobe Span announced its first long-haul service from Glasgow to Orlando International hmm. Airport. Okay. All right. So they're trying to get people to Disney World. Yep. Not a terrible business model yeah. if they stick with it for more than several months. I mean, yeah. If it's a, <laughs> if it's a budget airline trying to do that, I'm sure... I mean, like, if I was trying to fly that far of a distance, I would probably go with a cheaper airline. I would imagine, because you're always trying to find the cheapest route. 
Right. So you wouldn't you wouldn't compromise on that. Yeah. So unless we, you were trying to like take first class, in which case you wouldn't go true. for this. So yeah, I'm sure they offered no first class option. Um, but the service commenced in June 2006 and was operated by a Boeing 767 aircraft in a three class configuration. Oh, well, here we go. Three classes are economy, premium economy, and business class, which includes 50-inch sleeper seats, gourmet food, and wines. Alicante and Malaga services were upgraded to twice daily throughout the summer for 2006, and Murcia was served daily. Fuerteventura was added into the winter 2006 schedule and weekly services linking Glasgow with Athens and Heraklion were launched in May 2006 for the summer season. And in January 2006, Ligo Span announced a 70% rise in pre-tax profits from the previous year. Uh. And then in June, the airline announced plans to operate from Aberdeen Airport after 24-hour airport operation there had been confirmed. The first route to operate from Aberdeen was Tenerife, with, which commenced in winter 2006, and it also announced routes to Alicante, Barcelona, Faro, Murcia, Palma, and Paphos. Paphos? Which commenced um. in summer 2007. That's a weird name for a town. Yeah. Pathos? Pafo? Pafo? Ethos? <laughs> <laughs> um, so they start to expand uh, in 2006, towards the back end of 2006 now, uh, when they added Liverpool to the network uh, with flights from Tenerife. Also added is Liverpool's first connection with Hamilton or John C. Munro International Airport from uh, May 2007 onwards. The airline also began Liverpool's first long-haul flight to New York, being uh, using Boeing 757-200 aircraft daily in May 2007. However, after a long series of problems with the service due largely to reliability problems with the Roots Soul aircraft... <laughs> which resulted in repeated massive delays on the service, Flyglobespan announced in early July that they would abandon the route in October of the same year, only six months after their service's <laughs> inception. Because, you know, the option isn't just put another plane there, have yeah. it do the thing. It's, let's just stop doing this altogether. Yep. This is a good idea. Let's not do it anymore. Flights to Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and Manchester started in November with two of the three weekly flights. What? <laughs> Flights to Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and from Manchester started in November with two of the three weekly flights. What? Two. How? How? Does so they had three weekly flights in Manchester, and then two of them went to three other places. Oh no! To yeah. Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. That was two. One, two, three. That's that's one place. That's one place, Hamilton. Yeah. Okay. All right. Everything's yeah, fine. Yeah, it's, Hamilton is the city in on, or. I guess it must be Hamilton, Canada. Hamilton, Ontario. Canada. Okay. So, yeah. So Hamilton is in Ontario, Canada. The biggest city with half a million people. That's closest to me that I've never heard of. <laughs> Like seriously, it's not even far into Ontario. It's like, it's like across the river from. Hmm. It's across from. It's close to Michigan. That's the point. Oh. <laughs> so you could just hop right over there. Yeah, you could. You could just hop right on over if you wanted to. Um, and being in Michigan, you might. I don't know. Um, yeah, it could be. If I was there, I probably would. Toronto's right there. Like, what, what are you Why waiting not? for? Yeah. Let's go to a better city. Yes. <laughs> uh, Fly Globe Span uh, started to commence a three times a week service from Manchester to Cape Town, South Africa on uh, the 4th of November 2006. Of course, 
This also stopped at the end of 2007. Uh, uh, rather, in less than a year, at the end of 2007 summer. Fly Globe Span started new services in May 2007 from Hamilton John C. Monroe Airport in Canada to destinations in the UK and Ireland, including Dork, Doncaster, Sheffield Airport. This was the first scheduled transatlantic flight to operate from the airport. Hamilton Airport is located between Toronto and nearby Niagara Falls, about 75 kilometers southwest or an hour's drive from Toronto's main Pearson International Airport. Hamilton is about one hour away from Toronto's city centre, whereas Pearson International Airport is about 30 minutes away. Fly Globespan commences services in May 2007 from Ireland West Airport, Knock, to John F. Kennedy International Airport with three services a week and Boston Logan International Airport twice a week. Some flights from Knock to New York. I like that. That should be a movie called From Knock to New York. Made unscheduled refueling stops at a number of remote locations, including Kaflavik, Iceland, though this is an exception, which they a what? <laughs> let, me, let me read this sentence to you okay. as it currently stands upon my reading it. Some flights from Knock to New York, GSM 201-202, made unscheduled refueling stops at a number of remote locations including Keflavik, Iceland, though this is exception, which they a major hub, <laughs> Bangor, Maine, Stephenville, and St. John's Newfoundland. These refueling stops were scheduled when a 737-800 was used instead of the usual 757-200. Whoa, 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 whoa. It just said these were unscheduled refueling stops. Now Mm. they're saying these stops were scheduled? I don't know. I'm starting to really kind of question everything these people say (laughs) about themselves. They're very skittish. They seem very uninvested in any of the new ventures they try. Yeah. And I think that they didn't actually... They they seem to be raising profits, (laughs) but yet they can't... They won't continue to operate the same routes, which seem to be doing well by them. I feel like consistency is the key to success in something like this. Consistent, and you're also making money. Yeah. Why would you change the things that you do? That's my real question here, because it seems yeah. like they're making money. Regardless of pretty much anything else, they're making money. Yeah. They're making more profits every year, year after year. So how does this a bankruptcy make? Still not know. still not they, quite clear <laughs> on that. It seems like they're operating more like a TV network than an airline. Just throwing yeah. stuff out there, and yeah. like, ah, let's see if that works. No, it doesn't. Take it off. All right, let's go to the next thing. Except the thing about that's terrifying about that is that at no point, in most cases, is a TV network responsible for h- hundreds of people at a time being hurled in small metal tubes across oceans. <laughs> so it's something. Yes. <laughs> it's a much more risky venture. Uh, indeed, you know, there's, there's, a, there could be a lot of actual, literally interpreted fallout from that kind of venture. Yes. But let's see what the financial difficulties were in Globespan, Fly Globespan. So in July 2008, uh, Globespan lost its ability to get insurance industry credit card repayment covered before the collapse of Zoom and XL. Don't know what those are. From that point, credit card clearing company eClear... What, whose CEO was Elias Elia. I don't know. Why do they need to specify the CEO? Rather than paying the normal amounts of cash to Globespan, argued that in certain cases, passengers could make valid claims against them via the credit card companies up to six months after having taken their flight. Eclear, hence held a greater amount of money paid through them to Globespan. By October 2009, the amount of money owed by Eclear to Globespan was in dispute. Globespan later claimed it to be 35 million pounds. After various discussions, Globespan asked Eclear to agree to independent audit of the sums, which was turned down by Eclear. Also at this point, 
Halcyon Investments, the operational arm of an August 2008 Jersey-based trust fund, offered to make a large investment in Globespan. Halcyon's investors included Elias Elia. (laughs) Starting to see uh, an odd trend here. So, the company that they were in dispute with, their CEO was an investor in another company that offered to make an investment in back into the company. That's weird. So why would you... That seems like a very, uh, like a conflict of interest there. Somebody's, yeah, something's definitely not as far away from somebody else's interest <laughs> as it should be. Yeah. But in November 2009... Uh, the Independent on Sunday reported that Flyglobespan had required a last-ditch cash injection as a result of cash flow difficulties caused following delays in payment by a credit card clearing company, eClear. <laughs> so why this eClear, instead of just paying back this money, decided to use another investment company to invest in Globesban. Like, I feel like it's weird that this guy would invest in Globesban rather than just paying them the money that they owed. Because at this en- at the end of the day, there's gotta be the only reason I can think of is that there must have been some sort of tax reason why he wouldn't mm-hmm. rather while this guy would rather invest than simply say, okay, here's here's my money. I yeah. But concerns regarding the future of the airline resurfaced in uh, December 2009 when several newspapers reported that Flyglobespan had so far been unsuccessful in obtaining regulatory approval for the funding package from Halcyon Investments. The Guardian suggested that Halcyon Investments was controlled by Eclair. <laughs> the company stated it had secured a financial investment package that will see Scotland's leading airline continue to pop, prosper and grow. This was Scotland's leading airline? I mean, it, I don't know if that's true. I don't want to believe Maybe they're just saying that... I feel like there's probably like Scottish Airways that might be there, a little There more. has to be a bigger... Unless this because is like there's a British Airways, there Scottish Airlines, Air Scotland, two okay. that are probably almost definitely bigger. Yeah, I I mean, I feel like a failing airline that rarely has a consistent uh, travel schedule could be the best one, or even yeah. the most frequented one. Yeah, I mean, people need planes on a daily basis, don't they? Yeah. Perhaps less so here, there than in Europe, but because I, I mean, they have a lot of public transportation infrastructure right. that we don't have here. So finally, we proceed to figure out how they came into administration and why that is a bad thing. The Globespan Group, PLC Globespan Airways Limited, and Alba Ground Handling Limited ceased operations on the 16th of December 2009 and were placed into administration, to which there is a link, on the 17th of December with PricewaterhouseCoopers appointed as the administrator. So, the whole Globespan Group in in whole ceased operations, not just the airline. Which may be the problem, because Fly Globe Spam may have been doing fine. It may have been That's literally true. every other tendril of this thing that was dying out. That could be. And the profit from just that one arm wasn't enough to prop up everything else. Hmm. So, the last flight from, was GSM from Hurda <laughs> to Glasgow, which landed at 22.30 on 16th of December 2009. On the 19th of January 2010, a high court judge granted an administration order following a request from PricewaterhouseCoopers against credit card processing firm East Eclair UK, which handled all of Globespan's credit card transactions. Bruce Cartwright, joint administrator of PricewaterhouseCoopers, stated after Eclair UK's administration that it was clear the funds withheld from the Globespan group were no longer there. So... 
Careful who you do business with if you are a major player in uh, credit card transactions. Yes. Fly Globespan has an entire destination section here, which I don't think we'll go into because Fly Globespan barely went into them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. So I'm. I'm torn because I like the no frills link. I like the livery link. But I also want to know what administration is. And the administration section, for whatever reason, didn't really explain that. Yeah. They just said that it was a status at which it was a stasis that the company kind of got frozen into after a bit. I don't actually. I mean, I can figure that it's like bankruptcy, but then mm. when we first saw this word <laughs> used this way, why would they have gone to the bother of saying eventually they declared bankruptcy in the right. very same sentence? So it must be slightly different. It must be like a reorganization. Maybe Britain Maybe, only has one chapter of bankruptcy. Maybe their chapter 11 <laughs> is like administration, and then their chapter 7 is the real thing or something. Yeah. Hmm. Just okay, I just bounced over no frills. See what it was. It's basically a company that offers like the least uh like bare bones essentials service possible the least fancy right the ones like, literally with no, no frills fr yeah <laughs> <laughs> so okay well you know we know what that is it's not some zany british term that's yeah <laughs> actually quite quite succinct and to the point really yeah so i i guess we gotta see what administration is. Administration, or maybe eClear itself. That's true. Because that company seems shady as all heck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, farewell, regardless, fibromyalgia span. <laughs> That's what I see every time I look away from it and, like, see the shape <laughs> of it in the corner of my eye and don't actually read it. I see fibromyalgia. That's what I see down there. <laughs> all right, well... Well, I can tell you that eClear is a stub, kind of. So if we want something more to go off of, we can go to administration. Or if we want to just talk briefly about eClear and then move on, we can do that. Let's do it. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's clear earning. Eclear is not an Eclair. <laughs> it is a British payment processing company handling credit card transactions presently under an administration nice. order. Both. It does cover all of it. It provides merchant accounts for companies, allowing them to accept credit cards as form of payment. Formed in 2002 and based in Mayfair in the city of Westminster, the company is based in the United Kingdom, but is owned by a parent company registered in Cyprus, and its chief executive, Elias Elia, is a Greek Cypriot, which is an interesting denim <laughs> for those from Cyprus. Eclear specializes in this travel industry and is one of the main four companies handling credit card transactions for airlines and travel agents in the United Kingdom. So there's only four credit card companies <laughs> handling four credit four companies handling all credit card transactions. That, is that would be your problem, crazy. yes. Yeah. Like you have one of them that one of them feels like being a little screwy today and like not get paying out its dues, then you have a financial crisis on your hands yeah. in the travel industry. Uh, in 2007, Deutsche Bank uh, announced the end of its agreement for card processing with eClear, and as a result, eClear began buying shares in Nordfinans, <laughs> a small loss-making bank in Bremen. That, that was a sentence. <laughs> uh, is, it, is that a small loss-making bank, or is that a small loss-making bank, just a bank that loses A constantly? bank that deliberately loses money. <laughs> I don't know. I wish there was a link to that now, too. Uh, eClear owned 97% of shares in the bank that lost... That was a lost bank. Loss-making bank. <laughs> well, by 2009, eClear owned 97% of the shares in the bank, so that was... Uh, uh, it... 
Elias Elia, Derek Tullet, and Sir Edward Ducan are all people who are on the board of this this company that's in administration. So and apparently that's not all the people. Those are just some of the people. Some of the people who happen to have links to their Wikipedia articles. <laughs> well, now we need to progress over to administration. True. Could also check out this Elias Elia. Because he seems to be the more shady member of Equeer. He does seem to be pretty, uh, yeah, doing something covert. Okay, let's let's check out Eli- Elias Elia. Elias Elia? Yeah. He's a, he's a really shady, like, Bond villain, comic book villain <laughs> name, too. I think that's what really... Yeah. It's that alliterative, that alliterative name, man. Always, always strikes one as a little, a little off. <laughs> Greek Cypriot businessman whose profile made headlines after multiple airlines across Europe collapsed. That's not how you want to make headlines. No, it Silly is not. Elias Elia. He was the o- he was the owner of Eclear, a billion-dollar company that handled payments mostly for the travel industry. He was successful in the travel payment industry. I don't think that history <laughs> will show that, but okay. In an interview, he said, We're here today to expand on the collaborations with airlines. You did the opposite. <laughs> when you don't pay the airlines, then it becomes a problem. That, that shrinks business. <laughs> that does not grow them. <laughs> he tried to prop up another company after buying Eclair back from its administrators. A report claimed that Elia broke... A brought bought a brand new 135 pound 135,000 pound Ferrari in the spring of 2008 and a 155,000 pound Rolls-Royce Phantom in the May of the same year. He is now living out of his nice cars. <laughs> Links were found from Elias to Elian Properties and the Albury Albury Travel Group both of which also went into administration soon after Eclair's demise. None of these other articles seem to mention Eclair going under. No, but it seems as though Eclair is tied to a bunch of other things also going under. Yeah. Because they were sort of one of four total credit card companies for all travel in the United Kingdom. I don't know if you know much about Europe, but they have, like, several months of the year set aside for not doing work and for traveling. True. So, uh... Yep. Doesn't surprise me that the company went under. But it's interesting that he bought Equir back from its administrators, which brings us back to the whole administration thing. Like, maybe... There are people whose job it is to um, take over bankrupt companies and kind of like do kind of like a post-mortem work on them Mm -hmm. or something and figure out like what happened and kind of, I don't know, work in like breaking it apart and breaking it down or whatever or something I don't know it's hard to say I I just don't understand why they did this this way (laughs) (laughs) it seems dumb it just doesn't seem smart well we could go back to eclear which is a link on this page and then go to administration and finally figure out I think that's cheating. I don't think that's how we... It's not, it's not, uh, that well, hasn't been... The only other option on here is a Greek Cypriot. Greek Cypriot. <laughs> Boom. Let's Greek <see>. Cypriots. <laughs> and the ethnic population of Greek uh, people in Cyprus. Forming the island's largest ethno-linguistic community at 78% of the population. Which means that there is a total population of 1,150,000 of them in the world. 
Greg Cypriots are mostly members of the Church of Cyprus. Surprise, surprise. An autocephalous Greek Orthodox Church with a wider communion of Orthodox Christianity. In regard to the 1960 Constitution of Cyprus, the term also includes Arabic-speaking Maronites, Armenians, and Latin Rite Catholics, or Latins, who were given the option of being included in one or other of the two constituent communities, Greek or Turkish, and then they voted to join the Greek Cypriot community. (laughs) So, that's uh, an interesting thing, considering that I don't know if you can vote to choose your ethnicity, (laughs) but I guess they did, and so here we are. (laughs) Interesting. Um, Well, as far as prehistory is concerned, Cyprus was part of or Cyprus, sorry, was part of the Mycen- Mycenae- Mycenaean uh, civilization. Yes, yep. Mycenaean. <laughs> Which, uh, with local production of Mycenaean vases dating to the late Helladic III, <laughs> uh, 1400 to 1050 BC. The quantity of this pottery concludes that there were numerous Mycenaean settlers, if not settlements, on the island. Wait. Okay. So, (laughs) that seems a little vague to just say, oh, yeah, there were numerous. It's like, yep, there were a few of them. There was more than one of those settlers. Oh, boy. There's got to be. There's at least a couple. (laughs) Yeah, but... (laughs) Pretty sure more than one person settled there. (laughs) I don't know. But archaeological evidence shows that Greek settlement began unsystematically in 1400 BC, then steadied with definite settlements established in 1200 BC. The close connection between the Arcadian dialect and those of Pamphylia and Cyprus indicates that the migration came from Achaea. The Achaean tribe may have been an original population of the Peloponnese. Peloponnese? Peloponnese. Pamphylia and Cyprus. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Living in the latter prior to the Dorian invasion and not a subsequent immigrant group. The Doric elements in Arcadian are lacking in Cypriot. Achaeans settled among the old population and founded Salamis. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yep. I'm going to assume they're talking about the meats. Why not? (laughs) Uh, The epic Cypriot dating to the 7th century BC, may have originated in Cyprus. Hmm. Cypria? Cyprus. How about it? Could be. Might. It's very probable. It very, very <laughs> likely, yes. Um, so yeah, majority of Greek Cypriots descend from the Achaeans, particularly from Arcadia but also from the other three Greek tribes, the Ionians, Aeolians, and Dorians. But throughout the history of Cyprus, Greek people continuously colonized the island from different parts of the Hellenic world. Cyprus is the third largest island in the Mediterranean after Sicily and Sardinia, and the largest island in the Eastern Mediterranean. Mount Olympus, the highest point of the Trudeau's Mountains, is the highest point on the island. The island gradually became part of the Hellenic world as the settlers prospered over the next centuries. Alexander the Great conquered the island from the Persians in 333 BC. After the division of the Roman Empire in 285 AD, Cypriots had had home rule for almost nine centuries under the jurisdiction of the Byzantine Empire. Something not seen again until 1960. Wow. Wow. Uh, Perhaps the most important event of the early Byzantine period was the local church's independence 
from the Patriarchate of Antioch and all the East in 431. The Bishop of the ancient capital Salamis, <laughs> renamed Constantia oh. by Emperor Constantius II, was named Salamis, <laughs> Constantia, <laughs> was constituted Metropolitan by Emperor Zeno with the title Archbishop. Wow. There sure were some prehistories that happened. Oh, yeah. Uh, by the Middle Ages, the Byzantine era profoundly molded Greek Cypriot culture. The Greek Orthodox Christian legacy bestowed on Greek Cypriots in this period would live on during the succeeding centuries of foreign domination. Because Cyprus was never the final goal of any external ambition, but simply fell under the domination of whichever power was dominant in the eastern Mediterranean, destroying its civilization was never a military objective or necessity. The Cypriots did, however, endure the oppressive rule of the first of the uh, Lusignans and then the Venetians from the 1190s through 1570. King Amari, who succeeded his brother Guy de Lusignan uh, in 1194, was particularly intolerant of the Orthodox Church. Greek Cypriot land was appropriated for the Latin churches after they were established in the major towns on the island. In addition, tax collection was also part of the heavy, oppressive attitude of the occupiers to the locals of the island, in that it was now being conducted by the Latin churches themselves. So then we get the Ottoman conquest of Cyprus in 1571, and that delivered the Greek population from serfdom and servitude to the Latin church. Cypriot Greeks were now able to take control of the land they had been working on for centuries, and the local Christians resumed practicing their religion in the only acceptable way they knew. The patriarch serving the Ottoman sultan also acted as ethnarch, or leader of the Greek nation, thus enabling the local Orthodox representative to practice de- decidedly secular powers, for instance, in adjudicating justice and in the collection of taxes. Uh, despite the inherent oppression of foreign subjugation, the period of Ottoman rule had a limited impact on Greek Cypriot culture. Ottomans tended to administer their multicultural empire with the help of their subject millets, or religious communities. The tolerance of the millet system permitted the Greek Cypriot community to survive, administered on behalf of Constantinople uh, by the Archbishop of the Church of Cyprus, who became the community's head, or ethnarch. Although religiously tolerant, Ottoman rule was generally harsh and inefficient. Turkish settlers suffered alongside their Greek Cypriot neighbors, and the two groups together endured centuries of oppressive governance from Constantinople. A minority of Greek Cypriots converted to Islam during this period, and are sometimes referred to as neo-Muslims by historians. That that seems pretty early to get in on Islam. I mean, pretty early, yeah, that's not... I mean, the late, not, the, not the earliest, but I mean, for being as far as where it is. Yeah. Hmm. Fortunately, Elias Elia didn't make it to the list of notable people in this culture. Because he's, uh, <laughs> just because we know who he is doesn't mean he isn't a gargantuan <laughs> failure. It's true. Owning a Ferrari and a Rolls Royce Phantom <laughs> doth not success make. There are two people with the same name on this list, though. Lambros Lambro. I like it. One is a footballer, one is a skier. My personal favorite is Demon Axe. (laughs) That's his name, Demon Axe. That is a pretty baller name. I like that. Then, um... Well, I think... The one thing I really need to, to, to learn about really quick is okay, let's 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 go look at the, the, the early modern period. Because I guess we're building up to the part where they get to vote about who they are. Okay. <laughs> um The Ottoman Cyprus conquest in fifteen seventy one is a link I just accidentally clicked on because my computer died. I'm using my phone now, which makes <laughs> everything much, much worse. Um 
but in any case, uh, the Ottoman conquest of Cyprus in 1571 delivered the Greek population That's, from serfdom, which is where is you the, just were. Yeah. Uh, I can't. Modern history. Is modern history is where I want to be anyway, so it's a good thing I don't have to go through that first. <laughs> so politically, the concept of enosis. Uh, unification with the Greek motherland became important to literate Greek Cypriots after Greece declared its independence from the Ottoman Empire in 1821. A movement for the realization of Enosis gradually formed in which the Church of Cyprus played a dominant role during the Cyprus dispute. During British rule from 1878 until 1960, oh, here we go, that's where it got messed up, <laughs> uh, the British bought an efficient colonial administration but government and education were administered along ethnic lines, accentuating differences. Well, there's something new. <laughs> For example, the education system was organized with two boards of education, one Greek and one Turkish, controlled by the Athens and Istanbul, respectively. The resulting education emphasized linguistic, religious, cultural, and ethnic differences and ignored traditional ties between the two Cypriot communities. The two groups were encouraged to view themselves as extensions of their respective motherlands, and the development of two distinct nationalities with antagonistic loyalties ensued. The importance of religion within the Greek Cypriot community was reinforced when the Archbishop of the Church of Cyprus, Makarios III, was elected the first president of the Republic of Cyprus in 1960. For the next decade and a half, Enosis was a key issue for Greek Cypriots and a key cause of events leading up to 1974 when Turkey invaded and occupied the northern part of the island. The island remains divided today, with the two communities almost completely separated. Many Greek Cypriots, most of whom lost their homes, lands, and possessions during the Turkish invasion, emigrated mainly to the UK, USA, Australia, South Africa, and Europe. There are estimated today to be 335,000 Greek Cypriot emigrants living in Great Britain. The majority of the Greek Cypriots in Great Britain currently live in England. There is an estimate of around 3,000 in Wales and 1,000 in Scotland. By the 1990s, Greek Cypriot society enjoyed a high standard of living. Mm. Economic modernization created a more flexible and open society and caused Greek Cypriots to share the concerns and hopes of other secularized West European societies. The Republic of Cyprus joined the European Union in 2004, officially representing the entire island, but suspended for the time being in the Turkish-occupied north. So this uh, Elias was falling right in line with that high standard of living that other Greek Cypriots were accustomed to. Once he, just because he was kicked out of his <laughs> homeland, doesn't make him any less accustomed to that... <laughs> <laughs> That high-end lifestyle, and he was going to get it even if it meant <laughs> starting a credit card company and then one day being like, you know, you know how it's my company's job to take money from one person and deliver it to other people? I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to take money from you and not give it to you. <laughs> that means so much more money for me. <laughs> that means I don't I've... know why anybody didn't think of this before. <laughs> because, because it would collapse the economy of travel, mostly, but I mean... Yeah. Neither here nor there. Mostly because you aren't traveling, so you're neither. You're not going to go there, so don't worry about there. It's interesting. There is a heading for Diaspora, but then there's no information under it other than the main article link, Greek Cypriot Diaspora. You could have you could have <laughs> built us up to that a little bit. I mean, I understand what happened. The British showed up, and they said, Hey, wouldn't it be great if we, like kept you the same nation, but then really remind you on a daily basis about how different you all are. That'd be great, wouldn't it? That won't start an ethno-conflict at all. <laughs> and, um, you know, because the British never the British never understood that kind of thing. I mean, they, they, they had the Irish and the Scottish and the, and the Welsh on the same island with them for years and years yeah. and years, and they were like, Let's really draw lines between <laughs> where we are and where you guys are, and that won't be a problem for you. Yep. So there you go. From Flagwhip's band to Greek Cypriots. That'll be an interesting one. Yeah. <laughs> an interesting title. That's a that. I mean, I didn't know if Greek Cypriots were an ethnicity. Yeah. That's very specific. Strange, but. Go ahead and visit facebook.com slash TWC podcast. Give us a like and follow. Head over to iTunes and rate and review us. 
And you can always find new episodes on our website, twc.ericterivio.com. And um, also, you can check out Marathon Man. I have recorded a new podcast. First season is up. I watched all seven Fast and Furious movies in a row and did a podcast about it. And I won't be doing it again anytime soon. Because of the <laughs> ensuing bed sores that, that crept, that Eric, Eric just became inflamed. The next time I saw him, he had developed into one large pus. Yes. Of, uh, of, he was just a big, big acne. <laughs> so no. you, you can go ahead and enjoy all 11 of those episodes for a while until I have it in me to do that again. <laughs> To do to do a marathon, but also maybe to do one that isn't self torture. Yeah. I mean, you have the option to marathon things you like too. You don't have to do <laughs> ones you hate. That's true. Okay. Just as long as you know that. Yeah. I just want to make mean, sure. Like next time. Okay. I might do like Star Wars, just yeah. because, if only for the fact that there's going to be a new one every year, and I want to do a marathon before it's like ten movies long. Before it's like a Marvel <laughs> movie universe thing, you mean? Yeah. Because that's that's going to be your PS de resistance is doing a, a, a podcast. That's going to be four seasons in one go <laughs> because of how much content there is there, too. Yeah. At this point. But, yeah, I mean, there, there's always Die Hard. It's nice. Uh, that's uh, five, five movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not, not too bad. And a lot of them are Most of them are good. Over half. Over half. <laughs> Over half. <laughs> most. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about grade school... Like pass fail sort of things, they have a solid yeah. D minus. Yeah. They stuck it <laughs> just on the cusp. But uh, yeah, and th- you know, there's Mission Impossible. That's still that's only five movies right now. Also, or, they are all they increase and get better. Oh yeah, those not a bad one in the bunch. One is less good than the others, but still enjoyable. But I think it's it was a victim of its time. Oh time yeah, period. absolutely. So like, yeah. that'll be a good one. That'll be a good one. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, so I would like to thank Louis Armstrong for our theme song and Al Jolson for our outro song. So thanks again for joining us. I was Eric. And I was John. And this was the Wikipedia Chronicles. And I'll be waiting for you.